All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about Expendables 4, or Expendaforals. We are so excited to get into this one. Joining me is Sean Malloy from I Must Break This Podcast. Sean's been on the show before, and uh, how could I cover a Dolph Lundgren-related film without having Sean on? Uh, but we have a great conversation coming up, which kind of twists into a different direction than was originally planned. So it, this is a very unique episode, and we'll we'll get to that as we're getting into the conversation. But before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Also, check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget, we also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. Check it out. So with that said, let's get to Expendables. All right, there's only one person I could have on to talk about Expendables for, and he's here. It's Sean Malloy. Sean, how's it going? Oh, hey, man. I'm, I'm excited to be back. Thank you for the, uh, for the opportunity. Um, I, I will say, first of all, about this film, um, no, it's not great, but I did still have fun with it. So I think mm -hmm. that's, that's a compliment, right? Yeah, but the, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for extending the uh, the invite here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah, I mean, we could jump right into the fact that uh, this movie, I, I, I think people who wanted, you know, just a, a kind of dumb, over-the-top, ridiculous, silly, fun Expendables movie also didn't quite get that. Um, and so it's like, it's been, it's been really pretty uh, underwhelming, I think, for a lot of people. And obviously at the box office, it's not doing too well. But there's still things to like about it. And like, you know, we're not going to just sit here and just crap on it or anything like that. There's still, uh, you know, there's still some fun Sylvester Stallone moments. Obviously, we've got some Dolph Lundgren moments to talk about. But, uh, you know, there, there's, there's stuff here for sure. Yeah, well, I think what what's really interesting about this one is, okay, the first Expendables movie came out um, in 2010. And so, I mean, I've said it on my show before, but um, when the first movie came out, I mean, the excitement level on my behalf, as well as so many uh, action fans or people who grew up in the 80s and the 90s watching right. these guys. I mean, oh, my God, the excitement of the first one was was pretty amazing. And depending on who you talk to, I think, you know, um, it lived up to those expectations, you know, for the most part. But then two years later, when the second one came around, the second one delivered in so many ways because the second one is more of a team up movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You had the added um, uh, the added additions of Chuck Norris, even though it's a real small little cameo. And then you also had Jean-Claude Van Damme as the villain. Yeah. I mean, the, the second one is amazing. Then by the time the third one rolled around, I mean, the third one is a mess. I know we're talking the fourth one today, so we're not going to get into the third one. But the third one is just an absolute complete mess. And then we thought that the series was essentially dormant and was was dead for um, sure, for lack of better terms. So to get a fourth one nine years later, it was like, wow, really? And I will just say right now, I mean, that was one of my big points. One of the things that um, was was slightly kind of frustrating is, I mean, when you look at the Expendables films, I mean, you're not going to them for story. 
at all, for that matter. I mean, these are yeah. gimmick films, okay, that, that do gimmick stunt casting, if you will. And so, like I said, with Expendables 1 and 2, you know, it's certainly delivered with all those action stars. But with the third one, and especially by this one, the novelty of seeing all of those dudes on the, on the same screen, occupying the same space, has, has completely worn off. And that's, that's really what's unfortunate here. Yeah, no, I I agree. Also, like, and I didn't know this. I didn't like follow the ups and downs of the production of Expendables Four or Expendaforals. Depending I did. On I did. Ask, so but, I, I can fill in I, for you, but <laughs> yeah. But I was reading a little bit earlier today, and some of the names that were thrown around beforehand. Uh, first of all, as acting, Pierce Brosnan, Jack Nicholson, Clint Eastwood, but then directing Duncan Jones and DJ Caruso. I mean all around better options than what we landed on. And so I don't, I don't know where we got to the point where, uh, you know, here we are, you know, Scott wild director of need for speed is our director. And then our additions are basically Megan Fox and 50 cent. Um, I, I'm not quite sure where it all lands there. Well, there were a couple things real quick. I mean, if, and I'll try and give you the, the, the Cliff Notes abbreviated version of what happened here. But my understanding is that um, basically uh, Millennium Films, that's the company that's, uh, that's behind the, these, the Expendables franchise, um, their intent was to hand the series over to, uh, to Jason Statham. Okay. And they mm. were going to make it a spinoff movie. Um, I think the working title for a brief period, I kid you not, was it was going to be called The Expendables colon A Christmas Story. Get it? Okay. <laughs> Already better than this movie. Yeah, so way. that was kind of what was percolating at the beginning. Um, I also, also what happened was, um, I guess, and this was years ago, but Millennium Films, in their possession, they had purchased a script years ago, a long time ago, I guess, um, about, uh, I, I don't know, I can't remember the exact title of what the script was, but it was basically about a cargo ship that had um, nuclear capabilities aboard it, and mm -hmm. some commandos had to go in and defuse the situation. So it's very clear, when you hear that, it's very clear that what Millennium yep. Films and Lionsgate and all the powers that be did was they just said, hey, you know that idea we've been kicking around for with, with, with Jason Statham doing an Expendables movie? Let's just dust off that script, make it, make it an Expendable script, Right. And the audience won't know the difference. What's interesting sure. is um, a buddy of mine mentioned this and he said, like, look, you could basically t take out the other Expendables guys. And this would basically be Mechanic 3. And I said, yeah, you know what? I mean, it could pretty much be any of those. It could be a sequel to any of those movies that Jason Statham did with Lionsgate because Statham always plays the same character anyway. So in the sure. end, what this movie basically did is. It's still a spinoff story, if you want to call it that. Um, it's it's basically, okay, it's a Lee Christmas movie that's guest starring a few of the Expendables. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, yeah. I, you know, it, it still should work um, right. to a degree. I mean, Jason Statham is charismatic as hell. And, uh, you know, I'm one of the few who absolutely loved Meg 2 earlier this year. So, you know, I'm... I'm fine with Jason Statham. Um, but it, there's just not much there to this story, unfortunately, but I, I think we should start getting into some puzzle pieces here. And, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more about, you know, things that did and didn't work along the way, but what do you have for your first puzzle piece for expendables for? Um, <laughs> uh, GI Joe, basically, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean? What, what's so, what's interesting about the expendables films, the thing that I will give them credit for that I do like is that, 
these are the closest things that we will ever get to a proper G.I. Joe movie. Um, they've they've mm. had the opportunity, Paramount Pictures has had the opportunity uh, three times to make a proper G.I. Joe movie, and they have failed all three times. Yeah. However, if you look at these films, particularly Expendables 2, you know, I mean, that that, that it's basically G.I. Joe. I mean, and, and to an extent, I mean, on one hand, it's fun and it works. If it was a G.I. Joe movie... I think it, it would it would work 100%. But what's interesting is you have these characters. I mean, the movie is a gimmick, as is, right? Um, but you have all these characters that are also gimmicks. So you have Lee Christmas. He's the knife expert, right? And then you mm. have uh, a Randy Couture's Toll Road character. Well, he's the explosions guy, okay? And then uh, Dolph Lundgren's character, he's the sniper and everything. I mean, and so it's like, okay, that that's kind of novel and cool. The problem, conversely, with that, though, is that you really don't give a damn about any of the characters as a result. You right. know what I mean? You really don't. And I've, I've been saying this on my show numerous times, but um, the series has never had any stakes. So expecting there to be stakes suddenly in this film, you know, is kind of like, okay, you know, I knew what I was getting going into it. But I think when you're going to make your characters just these one note gimmicks, yeah. then that you're, you're yeah, that the less said the better. But anyway, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, speaking of no stakes, I mean, you know, the whole thing is centered around Stallone dying and mm -hmm. uh, it's the most obvious, like, fake out of all time, maybe, uh, <laughs> that he didn't die in that opening scene. Well, and, and that's, I mean, on one hand, I mean, I was saying this from the beginning, but when I found out they were doing a fourth one, I was like, okay, get it back to basics, make it gritty, make it violent, and give this one some stakes for a change. And... They did half of that, right? They made it R-rated again, which the marketing... Sure. Can we just talk real quick? The, the marketing for this particular film was was bananas. Like, it was like they... The powers that be who are controlling this franchise, they really don't know what they're doing. But, I mean, the marketing was just, you know, let's sell it on the fact that it's R-rated. This is R-rated. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in the end, all it was was just, you know, a crap load of dick jokes and... F-bombs every fourth word. I mean, it felt to an extent like it was a bunch of 10-year-old boys writing this film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I would say, like, back to that marketing, though, to me, I can't remember a single shot in the trailers outside of all of the Jason Statham, Megan Fox stuff. I feel like they sold it completely around that one scene, and that's mm -hmm. what they, like, kind of sold this on, which is weird considering the whole you know, we've already talking about it. The whole setup of all these movies is that it's a team up thing. So to focus so heavily on their little, you know, screwed up relationship. Uh, it, I don't know. I thought that it was a weird thing even before we saw the movie, just from the trailers. Yeah, most definitely. It really was. I mean, and going back to Stallone's death, I put that in quotes, you know, what's, what's interesting about it is when it, when it happens on screen, you think for a minute, you're kind of like, okay, finally, the series has some stakes because if you look at Expendables two, um, the the Liam Hemsworth character was killed, but that was that was kind of a cheap one because it's like, well, we're gonna kill the the one person that it's his first movie in, and okay, you know yeah. what I mean. And then by the by the third one, they make the other uh, it's a revenge mission um, because uh, Terry Crews gets mortally wounded. Only at the end mm. of the movie, Terry Crews is kicking back in a bar and drinking beers with them all. So I mean, this series has never had any stakes and almost feels like anybody who signs on for one of these films has it written in their contract that they will not die. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> probably when, 
So when you see Stallone's plane get blown up and you see that charred ash and his ring on the uh, on the skeleton's you know finger and everything like that, you're thinking for a brief minute, okay, wow, this film really has some stakes. It's doing things. It's taking some chances. But then again, when you, I mean, Stallone is an egomaniac. He's not going to yeah. let one of his characters die. He never will. Never. So, never. I mean, it's one of those things where it was very lackluster where you're watching it and it's like, he's not dead. He's coming back. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep, and sure, sure as hell. I actually would have had a little bit more respect for this movie if they just played off the reveal, uh, like, like, no, no, I faked my death, like, and not shown how he did it. Just like you're just to accept that, and like, oh, I faked my death. Period. End of sentence. Like that would have been so ridiculous and so much fun, I think. But uh, no, they had to do that whole switcheroo thingy. But um. I don't know. I, I'll go to a puzzle piece here. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Adam McKay's The Other Guys uh, with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg as a couple of loser cops who uh, have to take over the story instead of the much cooler Samuel L. Jackson and The Rock, um, basically because they went and found, like, th- this is a series about the coolest, bestest action heroes around, and they went and found 50 Cent and Megan Fox as their new ones. Um not exactly the best it's, uh, replacements. It's insane. It really is. And that's that's what I went back to with the third one. I mean, it's insane. It's like, okay, these movies are built around, okay, all these tough action dudes, you know, sharing, I, I said it already, but occupying the same space on screen together. I mean, that right there is pretty amazing. Um, the second one, for the most part, did that. Um, but the third one does something similar where it sidelines the guys who you want to see and throws in these nobodies that you really don't give a damn about. And with this particular film, yeah, it's just, it's bizarre because it's like, okay, the the addition of Eco Oase as the uh, as the main villain, I really liked him. I liked his batons, sure, his he's signature good. weapons, his batons. I thought that was really cool. Um, the inclusion of Tony Jaw as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, because these are action guys. That's the thing. These are action dudes. They're martial artists. They're they're bona fide tough guys. So bringing them into the mix, yeah, makes total sense. But then Megan Fox and 50 mm. Cent, it's kind of like, yeah. maybe if this was 2007. Okay. Right. But like in 2023, and then you're, they're going to throw them in, and then we're told that, okay, Megan Fox is now the new leader of the team. Why? I have no idea. I mean, she's just the leader of the team, but we're given no reasoning as to what her expertise is or why. And then 50 Cent is is literally given nothing. I mean, at all. So it's kind of like, no. man, like you, you brought these guys in. And then then you have Jacob Sipico who comes in as supposedly Antonio Banderas' son. And his gimmick is pretty much the exact same thing that Antonio Banderas did. And it's just like... A little extra pervy, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, what? <laughs> Guys, what What are we doing here? You know? And that's the thing that yeah. I come back to with, with this particular film, is it's like I was really open and excited about a new Expendables movie being made. But then it, it was interesting, because when it was in production, I mean, we should probably also say, too, that this finished filming two years ago. Wow. And Lionsgate had been sitting on it yeah. for a while. And when you hear that... It's kind of like it makes sense because I remember when, uh, yeah, Megan Fox was posting images on set and everything. And it was just kind of like, huh, OK, they, you know, they they decided to make another one and they're making the same exact mistakes that they made with the third one. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Y- you know what, Sean? I'm thinking... 
we're going to end up just like talking so bad about this movie and we, we could talk plenty more about it along the way here, but rather than continuing course the way that we're doing right now, a while back we had talked about doing a breaking it apart episode on just the expendables as a series. And I feel like there's no reason to continue down this expendables four road. Let's, let's just trash that. And let's just go back to doing the expendables as a breaking it apart episode. Let's talk about what movies the Expendables series has inspired because I think that we'll get into a lot better stuff to talk about, first of all, but also I feel like some of the things we might bring up also kind of come back around and inspire this new one in the series, or at least, you know, this series, you know, uh, Scott Waugh would, you know, would claim to have been inspired by some of this stuff at least. But uh, I, I think we should do that. What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds great. That's, uh, that sounds uh, like a fun idea. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let, let's do it. What, what do you have? What, what do you think uh, that the Expendables movies might have inspired? Well, the the, the easiest um, comparison, I mean, that that no doubt in my mind was inspired by this one, was Triple Threat. Um, oh, yeah. Now, I, I think I told you about Triple Threat. Have you seen Triple Threat? You did, and I, I literally just watched it this weekend because you had mentioned it to me about how, like, after I was, like, so just let down by Expendables 4, you were like, you should watch Triple Threat, and I, I finally got around to it, and it's pretty great. Triple Threat's amazing. I mean, it's not groundbreaking or anything like that, but Triple Threat, what Triple Threat does is it it utilizes the same gimmick of the Expendables films, but it does it correctly. So what Triple Threat does right. is it casts um, Eco Oasis, who we already talked about, to um, Tony Jaw, who we already talked about, um, I'm trying to think, Scott Atkins, Michael Jai White. So it has all of these legitimate tough guy martial artists and it puts them all in the in the same film but here's what it does and i've been saying this from the beginning with the expendables films what these films should have done okay what it does is it casts six amazing martial artists and it puts three on the good side right the heroes mm -hmm. and then three on the bad guy side and then what you're getting is you're getting some actual real squaring off Okay. And sure. I've been saying it from the beginning. I feel like that is exactly even going back, you know what, to be honest, even going back to the first Expendables movie, I honestly think that is what they should have done. Okay. And I've said this numerous times. Some people disagree with me, but I honestly do think that the first Expendables movie should have um, had, okay, Stallone's core team goes on a mission, but the, the, then the, uh, the bad guys um, taint maybe a few members of his team, if you will. And then suddenly mm. it's uh, okay. It's, Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li against Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, uh, and Terry Crews. You know what I mean? And sure. suddenly you, you have these sides going at it. Unfortunately, what happens, um, and it's very evident here in Expendables 4, is you have, you know, th this team of, of good guys who really never get any injuries for that matter. Again, no stakes. And they're just blasting a bunch of faceless, nameless goons. It might as well be a PlayStation game, and you might as well be playing a video game. But um, right. yeah, I think anybody who wants to see the Expendables gimmick done right, please, you owe it to yourself to check out Triple Threat. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like it, it's like you said, it's the same gimmick, but done right. Like these guys all, we know that they can bring the goods. They just need a movie to just show up and do all that in. And unfortunately, the Expendables movies kind of like beat around the bush for whatever reason. You know, they they kind of create these stories that are a little too big and 
you know, not particularly interesting. And I would say that Triple Threat doesn't exactly have the most interesting story, but it gets out of the way and lets these guys do their thing. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you're absolutely right there. So great first one to kick that off with. Um, I will go with, I feel like a pretty obvious one, but I'm going to go with the John Wick series, especially the later entries, John Wick three and four, especially four uh, overall, but really just the John Wick movies, they started as this small little revenge story of this guy whose dog is killed and he goes after the people who killed his dog. But as the story and the mythos start to grow, they start bringing in all these other characters and these characters are populated by just insanely amazing action movie people and martial artists. And when we get to this year's entry, John Wick chapter four, which is just through the roof. Amazing. We have like people like Donnie Yen and, and Scott Atkins, who we already talked about. And, uh, you know, these people giving them this stage where they can show off what they could do in a movie that is going to be seen by millions more people than, you know, these small little direct to video or, or foreign films are going to ever get to see. And, uh, you know, especially if you get to something like Expendables 4, we're bringing in a lot of Asian cinema people, uh, Iko Iwais, like you mentioned, and Tony Jaa. That seems to be, uh, you know, the place to go to get a lot of, like, the best people in the action world. And both of these series are going there to get them. Most definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, John Wick did something very similar uh, to... Um to what Triple Threat did, okay? And and again, it's it's casting actual uh, tough guys, right? It's casting actual, yeah. real, um, bona fide um, tough dudes, and it's not afraid to kill them off. It's not afraid to actually make them vulnerable. I mean, I remember when uh, Scott Atkins was announced that he was going to be in, in John Wick 4. It was like, awesome. And do you, do you see him, you know, begging Stallone not to let his character die? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. You know, John Wick Four yeah. also had Marco Zarrar. You know what I mean? And so it's, you know, it's 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 refreshing to see a series take those those type of chances. I think we can say. I mean, and and going back to the casting of this one. I mean, look, we already talked about Megan Fox and Fifty Cent's casting. How it's just kind of bizarre in the end. But it's kind of like, man, like I mean, if, if you run down the list, there are dozens of other. I mean, because in the end, if you if you look at these films. They're pretty much going for, okay, who has ever held a gun on film? And we're going <laughs> to cast that person. Yes. <laughs> right? That's how 50 Cent I, got in for sure. Yeah, there you yeah. go. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like if you remember Andy Garcia's right hand woman, who's, you know, right. Who's like kind of bartering with the, with the terrorist or whatever. Yeah. It's like, man, like why couldn't they have hired Linda Hamilton for that role? Pam Greer for that role. Cynthia Rothrock. Right. I mean, th those oh, are yeah. all you know, tough gals. I mean, and it could have been like a little cameo, you know, that type of casting, I think, I think in the end makes, makes more sense than, than what we got. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you have for another piece? Well, you know, and I've said this numerous times. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the, of Netflix and their original content. You know what I mean? Um, However, what I wish the Expendables film would have done is um, I'm sure you've seen Extraction mm -hmm. and uh, Triple Frontier. I loved Triple Frontier. I thought Triple Frontier was really yes. good. And so what I wish this film would have done is, again, Extraction and Triple Frontier are men on a mission movies, but that are also gritty and violent and to a certain extent semi-real. Now, I'm not saying I want my action movies to be 100% realistic. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of like, man, 
these films are almost, especially this one, are almost way too jokey and way mm-hmm. too silly. And I'm not saying your action movie cannot have have humor in it. Okay, I mean some of the sure. best action movies have humor in them, but like it's all of these films, especially this one, almost feels like the the actors should be almost winking at the camera at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, they're I mean, they're just having a good time, and like yeah. I I don't feel like that good time comes across in any funny way. It's just no. It's like you're watching two people who like spending time together, and that's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, I mean, I mean, it, going back to what I said earlier about the humor being a little forced and being a little immature. But one of the scenes is Randy Couture urinating on a door to loosen it up with moisture, and it's like, like I mean, did <laughs> we really funny at all? Do we really think that was funny? Do we really think the constant, you know, uh, dick jokes? I mean, that there's there's some jokes at the beginning with uh, Stallone and uh, and Andy Garcia, and then. Randy Couture, that's his entire character arc right there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like, wow, man. Like, <laughs> I don't even think 10-year-olds would find that funny. But um, I don't think so either. It's yeah. so underwritten and so just like, yeah, there, there's nothing there that's supposed to be funny. Like, it, it's, it, well, it's supposed to be funny. It's just not, though. Exactly, exactly. But, um, you know, I remember, I remember seeing Triple Frontier. And again, that's a that's a men on a mission movie where every yeah. one of those actors is a star. And you know what? It works. It works. And it has the balls to kill off members of the team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Triple Frontier was actually one that I was thinking about as well. Um, although you also brought up Extraction, like another good example of that. Yeah, the Netflix action movies are they're definitely hit or miss for sure. And I mean, I mm-hmm. I'd still rather see you know, guys like Stallone and, and like these classic action heroes doing their thing, Dolph, your buddy, but you know, yeah. but, uh, these Netflix movies though, like they, they are taking a page out of this book, I think for sure. So good one to bring in here. Um, I'm going to go with one that might be a cheat because I think I might have brought up expendables as a puzzle piece on the episode when I covered this movie on piecing it together. Uh, but I'm going to go with the suicide squad, the James Gunn 2021 reboot sequel kind of mashup thing, uh, which of course also had Stallone in it. Uh, but definitely feels like a throwback to the exact kind of movies that the expendables are trying to bring back. They're, they're both trying to do the same thing and bring you back these like, a team of macho eighties, tough guys. Uh, and until of course the suicide squad gets all comic booky in the end and gets, you know, big CGI heavy. But up until that point, it is a bunch of guys on a mission basically. And they're all kind of shit talking each other. We're talking about, about how Stallone and Statham just seem to be just messing with each other the whole time. And it doesn't quite work, but it works a lot better in the suicide squad. I feel like, um, and you know, definitely seems like they're kind of cut from the same cloth of being inspired by the same things. Well, and can I just say real quick? Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. Uh, I like your, um, your points there. Can I, can I just say real quick though? I mean, the Stallone and Statham banter, this go round did not work for me as well as it did in the first couple. I mean, especially the mm-hmm. first one. I mean, I think Stallone and Statham have great chemistry among one another. Um, sure. But in this one, it just, I mean, that's the thing that I, that I, I kind of, I kind of left the theater in a lot of ways feeling like this, this film either felt like the, the pilot episode for like a syndicated TV series, or it mm. felt like the, um, like a direct to video sequel. Because yeah. I mean, if you just look at Stallone and Statham, their very first scene together I'm just going to say it is kind of embarrassing. 
It really is. It's it's Stallone picking Statham up because he needs Statham's help at a bar beating up some guys who got his lucky ring. And then we find out later on in the film that that was all a big setup. That was a big payoff. But I mean, it's kind of like, and then that that's also Megan Fox's introduction in the film where she's just mm-hmm. apparently being this, uh, this angry girlfriend and she's throwing plates and dishes at Statham and Stallone and Statham and Stallone are of course looking at each other like uh, women. Am I right? And it's kind of like, what? <laughs> like in 2023 are we, and I it's know. just funny too, because uh, her, her first scene, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but her first scene, she's wearing heels and this dress and her makeup is like immaculately done to where it's kind of like, well, where was she mm-hmm. going here? You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's I mean, anyway, sorry. A lot of strange choices. Absolutely. I, I do think you're right though. Like the, the, the banter in the earlier films was so much better. And I think that they just kind of rested on, well, people like these two together that's enough. We don't need to actually write jokes here. Like mm-hmm. just throw them in a room together that it'll sell itself. And unfortunately doesn't work quite that no. way all the time. No. But uh, why don't we go to another piece? What do you got next? Well, this is, I feel bad admitting this man, but I think it's, it's kind of evident to where Stallone and his, um, and his career may be heading at the moment. Now, obviously he has Tulsa King, um, which is on Paramount Plus or whatever. And then he has the, the reality show. So obviously those are, you know, financially successful for him and working. But I mean, if you, if you look at Stallone's, um, contributions to the film, all he really does is he, um, I mean, that that bar scene at the beginning, if you want to call that an action sequence, all he does is he throws the dude over the bar. And that's mm. that's pretty much it. But the rest yeah, of his scenes it. are of him flying a helicopter where he's sitting in one location, okay, with green screen behind him. We haven't said that yet, but this film is filled with green screen like you wouldn't believe. My God. Okay. So much. But his contributions to the film are pretty much just him sitting in a helicopter, and that is it. And it kind of reminded me to an extent to those um all of those Bruce Willis films that we saw and thankfully right. we're not seeing them anymore but um Mel Gibson seems to have kind of picked up the mantle from Bruce Willis where pretty much you um the, these films will cast an aging action star okay in the film to kind of help sell the film but in the end that actor really isn't going to be in the film that much and when they are on screen it's pretty much them going to be sitting down at a desk and they're going to have some younger guy Okay, who's going to be yeah. picking up the slack and he's going to be doing the heavy lifting. And it's like, man, like when, when you watch what Stallone does in this film, it's kind of like he, he's become the Bruce Willis analog. And I hate saying that. Right. But I mean, that, that's I mean, I just read an article today. In fact, he has another movie that apparently is in production um, called Armored or something. And it has a lot of the same producers of a lot of these kind of low rent type action films. And you know that that he that's how he's going to be utilized in that as well. No, I, I think I think you're right. And, you know, these guys, they always kind of have their ups and downs. So, you know, he, he could have that one role that kind of brings him back. And obviously mm-hmm. his health seems to be in a lot better shape than, you know, Bruce Willis was when he was making those movies. But, um, you know, so he, he could be back. But definitely this is a lot like that, though, where he's really just there to to sit in a little machine and then they CGI the background and then that's that. Um you know, I, I wonder this movie Expendables 4 didn't do very well. So I wonder if we'll see more of this series at all and if it could potentially be like young guys and he's just like kind of, you know, the old timer that's still there and they just 
throw him in a scene like that if they continue that kind of thing. I mean, I I don't know. He's he clearly wants to keep doing it. See, and I I don't know, man. I mean, because I mean, obviously you don't think we have, he does. Well, we have the strike going on right now, so maybe that might explain sure. for um lack of um lack of promotion from any of the actors. But I just you know what I I didn't. I don't think, in my opinion, at least, it didn't seem to me like Stallone really wanted to be there. I think maybe mm. he got wind that um, producers were thinking, hey, we're thinking about handing this over to Statham. Would you be okay with that? And Stallone was kind of like, mm, okay, fine. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, yeah. I'll step away. Yeah. And and then they were kind of like, well, we hope you don't mind. We're going to kill your character. And he said, no, I'm not okay with that. I, <laughs> I'd, I'd like <laughs> yeah. you to change that up. I mean, if you look at the marketing... I mean, that, that's the thing I, I that I go back to. The marketing of this film was interesting. First of all, it had a tagline that was, um, they'll die when they're dead. Which actually I kind of love. That, but it doesn't make any it's, sense. It's stu- It's so stupid, but I love it. I, I, I love it. I wish it I wish it leaned into that kind of ridiculousness. I don't know. But if you if you watch, okay, watch the very first trailer for this film. It it lists the cast lineup, right? Statham. Lundgren, 50 Cent, Megan Fox, and then at the very end it says, and Sloan. But then by the mm. second time, the, the second trailer that came around, um, as well as the poster, suddenly Stallone's name was bumped up in, mm. the, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the credits. And so it's kind of like, huh. Like, <laughs> yeah. He got a second so, wind. He's, so maybe he does want to be a part of it still. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Uh, I will go with, um, it's an obvious one, but uh, I'm going with Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious spinoff, uh, which of course star Jason Statham as Shaw and The Rock as Hobbs. They're two characters from the Fast and Furious movies, and they spin off to have to be stuck together in a uh, action movie. And, you know, we were just talking about uh, Statham and Stallone uh, it, it almost feels like they just um, were like, well, people like their rapport, so we could just coast on that. And that's kind of what Hobbs and Shaw felt like. It was like, we could just take these two stars that people like to see together in their scenes in, their, in this particular movie and coast on the idea that people are, are cool with that. And I, I feel like, unfortunately, Hobbs and Shaw did that because I'm a big fan of the Fast and Furious movies of how just ridiculous and over the top they can get. And Hobbs and Shaw is very over the top, but it's also just, it's underwritten. It just doesn't have the jokes that I think it thinks it has. And that kind of makes the whole thing kind of come down a whole bunch. And that that's like the problem with Expendables 4. Um, but, you know, as far as like Fast and Furious, the series, like, it, you know, I feel like it is totally inspired by uh, the, the Expendables series and constantly adding more and more. Who can we get? Who can we get each time out, each time out? And Hobbs and Shaw seems to be a place where we're, we're kind of just coasting on these two main people versus actually getting important new additions to the team yeah i mean i'll admit i was not a huge fan of uh of that particular movie because it got a little um too ridiculous in in many scenes but no you're exactly right is it's kind of you know trading off that kind of macho banter between two guys but then in the end they're kind of team up and you know a lot of it could just be nostalgia i mean one of my favorite movies of all time is uh tango and cash I love Tango mm-hmm. and Cash because of the banter between the dudes. Um, yeah. And so maybe perhaps it's that, you know, I'm nostalgic and I'm looking for for something like that that just doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like that particular piece. I mean, it makes sense 
um, in the end. But yeah, you you can tell them. I mean, when they, I remember when they were shopping Hobbs and Shaw around, or when they weren't shopping around, excuse me, but when they announced that they were going to do a spinoff movie, it was very evident that they were like, okay, well, these two characters are the two fan favorites. So we're going to make our own movie that siphons off from that. And it's going to be that, you know, their own thing going on their own adventure. And that's exactly what this was, is this was a side mission, if you will, that inexplicably they just suddenly made Expendables for. When I think it would, like you said, like we said earlier, maybe it would have made more sense if they just made it a Christmas story. You know what I mean? Then, you know. People love Christmas action movies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What do you have for your next piece? Well, this is this is my last one, but I mean, like I said, I was kind of surprised that this that this went theatrical. To be perfectly honest, because the third one just did terribly at the box office. Unlike like I said, we've had nine years between the last ones, so theoretically, this should have gone direct to video, um, but uh, it, it didn't. And maybe in hindsight, the fact that we have the strikes going on right now, and it's also in September. September is kind of a dead month, so maybe. Yeah. Um, it made sense them releasing it now around this time. But yeah, it kind of reminded me of a lot of those um, direct-to-video sequels that we see come out of Universal. You know what I mean? Universal mm-hmm. has made like, I don't know, five or six sequels to Death Race. You know what I mean? With like none of the cast <laughs> oh, of the original. And then they've done a ton to like Scorpion King and Tremors and all of those. I mean, and to, like I said, to an extent, that's kind of what this reminded me of. I mean, the green screen in this film, I mean, I mean, look, this is a Millennium film, and I mean, anyone who's seen Millennium films know that they have kind of crummy special effects, and they use their their lots in Bulgaria for all of their films, and so if you go into it kind of knowing that little caveat, then I think it's acceptable, but I mean, there are there's green screens used for, for everything, even when characters are just simply yeah. talking, you know what I mean, in a room. Everything on the like, boat looks horrible. Everything Every on the scene boat, on that boat is, is yeah. insane. When they're escaping yeah. the boat, when they're like repelling from the from the uh-huh. main um the giant boat into the into the little raft i mean that is yeah. terrible and it's kind of like like wow they i mean this finished shooting you know a couple years ago and in post production they didn't think to i don't know <laughs> make it a little better i don't know yeah no it, it's so true and like as far as like those sequels these these direct to video sequels it's like i i feel like in in a lot of the ways like what we're doing with the expendables movies it's like coasting it's a lot of coasting like mm-hmm. seems to be what what this series is all about and seems to be what a lot of these direct video it's like you like this name you like these actors so you know here's more of that you know and that'll be good enough well and they didn't even bring back the signature score that's kind of what, uh, what yeah. you know i mean one of the things that i loved about the the first movie um is that they they brought in a signature score to um to to carry a lot of the action i mean and it's and it's a great tune. It really is. And they didn't even bring in that. And so yeah. you're, you're kind of wondering, like, is this really a true sequel? Like, is this one of those things like um, if, if you talk to most um, Die Hard fans, OK, they say there's Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2, Die Hard 3, but then 3 and 4 don't exist. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in 10, 15 years, are we going to look at the Expendables franchise and are we going to say, OK, there's one, there's two, which is at the top, three, and then four just doesn't exist. It didn't happen. Like, is that where this is going to go i don't know could be could absolutely be (laughs) well for my last piece i i cheated again just like i cheated with my suicide squad piece which is one that i uh you know like i said i i've brought up on the show before but this one i cheated in a different way because i actually haven't seen these movies but i bet you have 
Uh, but I'm going with the Escape Plan series. Uh, another Ooh. series of these classic action stars coming together that probably went on way too long. I couldn't believe there's three of these movies. Uh, I, th- mm. I remember the first one. I'm pretty sure I saw that. But the fact that there were sequels and each sequel, sequel adds on more action stars. Like that's kind of the same exact uh, trajectory that the Expendables movies took on. And they, they just keep saying, well, who could we get this time? And they add on one or two extra people. And who knows? Maybe that's what we'll get next is Escape Plan for. Well, you know what's really interesting about those sequels is Stallone's contribution to those sequels is pretty much exactly the same to what we're seeing here in Expendables 4, where he pretty much he yeah. shows up at the beginning, okay? And then there's some younger guy that's pretty much doing all of the heavy lifting, all of the action, and then Stallone shows up at the very end. Um, interestingly, both of those sequels went direct to video, um, and I believe they were, were they Lionsgate? Yeah, they were also Lionsgate as well. Um but for whatever reason, Lionsgate decided to put this one in theaters. I mean, the marketing train for this one, even like I said, even though it was a little misguided, was everywhere, all over social media, all over YouTube and everything. And I don't know, maybe if it would have cast people that that we wanted that, you know what I mean, that that made sense. OK, yeah. but, um, you know, we, we didn't get any of that. I mean, I'll just say right now regarding Dolph Lundgren, I mean. He looked, I mean, if you, if you, in retrospect, I mean, he actually went public um, recently. He uh, was battling cancer and then he um, yeah. also had an ankle surgery. I think it was like an ankle replacement. So when you hear a lot of that, it kind of makes sense. But even him, I mean, if you look at the first Expendables movie, he's the, he's like the best thing about it. The second one, he's the comic relief in a lot of the scenes. And then this one, he's, you can tell he's bored. He's moving really poorly. I mean, he just, he's not in the, the best shape that we've seen him. In previous films, I mean, he's just not on his A game here in this one. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and I mean, these guys are getting older. They've got health They're issues. Getting older. So like, yeah, yeah age. It's it, the it, it's it the happens. perennial Grim Reaper of us all, right? Yep. But then Hollywood's going to just keep making them do it. So, uh, <laughs> so throughout this conversation about both Expendables Four and the Expendables series, we talked about GI Joe, the other guys, Triple Threat, the John Wick series, Extraction, and Triple Frontier, the Suicide Squad, Bruce Willis's late era films, Hobbs and Shaw, these Universal sequels like the Death Race movies and Scorpion King movies and Tremors movies, the Escape Plan series. Uh, you know, obviously going into any conversation, whether you're talking Expendables 1, 2, 3, 4, the whole series, it's going to be a whole bunch of action movies. So that's kind of, you know, the main thing that we got going on here. Um, but are, are there any, any closing thoughts, anything that we didn't quite get into that you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, I feel like we, we kind of dumped on the film and I, I wouldn't say it's unfairly dumped. I mean, it, you know, we, we, <laughs> We were honest here. I will say though, um, having said all of that, I did still have I, I did I did still have fun. I mean, it did still keep my attention. Mm-hmm. It does not overstay its welcome. It comes in at a clean, um, I think it's like an hour and forty-two minutes, and that's with credits. I mean, so it's I mean, it it does what you would want um in an action movie. I really did like Eco Oase as the villain. Um, and, and it seems like they, you know, you can tell that they added some flavor and style to his character. Like you said, they give him that signature, those signature weapons that he uses. Um, yeah. 
Unfortunately, I mean, if you just look at the first uh, 10 minutes of this film, the first 10 minutes are just very, very clunky, okay? They're editing in him where he's going on to this base trying to steal these detonators and he's killing everybody. And then they're intercutting those scenes with um, Statham and Stallone's silly uh, macho banter. You know what I mean? And it just... Yeah. It just doesn't work. And I think a lot of that, what it ultimately comes down to is um, Scott Waugh. It's kind of like, why why out of all the guys, okay, that you're going to hire for um, directing an action movie was the dude for Need for Speed. I don't want to mitigate his talents or anything because, I mean, he's directed a movie. Yeah. I've never done that before. But there are so sure. many other action directors who do who deliver on low budgets who would have been amazing at this. There's Jesse Johnson, there's Isaac Florentine, there's William Kaufman. This film would have hired any of those dudes. Um, I think we could have gotten something, you know, maybe not amazingly better, but I think certainly a little more passable. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say just two quick things. Um, first of all, as far as Expendables 4 is concerned, uh, the fight scene where uh, Jason Statham and Tony Jaa uh, team up, I thought that was the one kind of passable scene. Like I thought that that was some pretty solid action versus most of the other action as an action movie guy. What did you think about that? I loved it. I loved, I mean, again, I think the, the inclusion of Tony Jaa in this film was awesome because I've been praising his skills for a while. He did, he teamed up with Dolph um, about eight years ago um, for a movie called skin trade. Um, anyone who has not okay. seen skin trade. Damn, I should have made that a breaking apart piece. Yeah. But, um, yeah, check out Skin Trade actually, because Dolph and uh, Tony Jaa team up in that one, and that one is absolutely awesome. Um, so yeah, I think Tony Jaa is amazing. I I will say real quick though, it does kind of make me laugh how um, Tony Jaa is apparently a former expendable from like twenty years ago, but he's given that life behind for a life of peace. Only he still has the Expendables logo on his boat. So it's, sure, it's kind of yeah. Like... Just in case, you never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> the, so. the other thing I was going to say, as far as like the whole series is concerned, um, I, when I started making my list for this episode, I was a little surprised by how many like team up things were before this. Like, you know, of course, the first thing that came to mind, like, was, are we going to talk about, you know, superhero ones like the Avengers and stuff? But that was all before this. And mm -hmm. uh, like, I, I guess my my memory of this series and where it kind of fits in the whole pop cultural thing uh, is a little wishy-washy and and it's interesting where it kind of sits. Like we've already, we already started getting all of the big superhero team ups. And then the idea came like, Oh, let's get all the action hero guys together. And I, I think it's a really smart idea and it's a, it's a, it's easy to see why this came together and why it turned into a whole series. Um, you know, I, I got to revisit it too, because you talking about how great it was. Um, I, I remember liking it. I remember liking the first two and then three just being like, crap but um i'm gonna have to revisit two i haven't seen it in a while yeah two is great i mean i mean and, and we didn't really talk about it but i mean i think you know um the dirty dozen obviously was one of the inspirations for this particular um gimmick to uh to, sure. to come to fruition um i think the magnificent seven um you know i i know i know some people really like the the original um much better than the remake however i think the remake still has some uh some things going for it that is actually pretty cool but again what the remake did the one with denzel is it doesn't hold back in terms of the violence and of course this film was violent as well but it didn't magnificent seven didn't have that that tongue constantly in its cheek and 
Mm. Again, I'm going to go back to it. It had the balls to uh, have some stakes and kill off some major members of the seven. So, yeah, that that is something that's missing from these movies It's missing from all movies nowadays because everyone's so worried about, uh, you know, continuing these franchises. So it's it's something in superhero movies. It's in everything. Nobody wants to kill anybody off anymore. And it's it's kind of a shame. But uh, I guess we could talk about that on another episode one of these days. Mm -hmm. But I think that does it for the Expendables. Sean, tell people where they can find you and your podcast. Yeah, so um, I host uh, I Must Break This podcast, um, which is the Dolph Lundgren fan podcast. Uh, <laughs> so it's hard to believe uh, when, when I started the project up um, five, almost six years ago, um, I didn't think I'd be at the point that I am now, but we are um, at episode 100 now. And um, yeah, it, it's a ton of fun. We pretty much uh, look at uh, all of the impressive films and the filmography of Dolph and uh, um, pick them apart, kind of like we've done here. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be closing up here soon, but um, it's uh, it's been a ton of fun. So um, and I've also gotten to interview a ton of people who've uh, had the pleasure of working with Mr. Lundgren on set of a lot of his films. So please check it out. We are on iTunes and um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You've been on a couple times, too. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It was always fun doing that and uh, discovering some Dolph films that I might not have, you know, made it to if it wasn't for joining you on your podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, I imagine you're a better, more intelligent person now as a result. Am I right? Absolutely. So. <laughs> That's the only way I would put it, for sure. So, Sean, thanks again for being here, and we'll get you back again sometime. All right. Take care, man. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best pictures, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Expendables 4, which, as you heard, then turned into a whole conversation on the Expendables series. I don't know how I'm going to, uh, as I'm recording this, how I'm going to like log this as an episode of piecing it together or an episode of breaking it apart. It's both, basically. I don't know. Now I've given myself a new item for my to-do list, but I'll figure it out. Uh, thanks to Sean for joining me, and thank you to you for listening. If you're enjoying piecing it together, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is that you're listening. And if you could drop us a little five-star rating and review, it would be very much appreciated. You can also check us out on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about that Patreon I told you about at the top of the show, produced by David Rosen. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. Lots of great content over there, so check it out. There's a lot more piecing it together on the way, but for today, it's time to close this out with a piece of music. What am I going to play today? i got to play something action-packed. You know what? I'm going to give you guys a preview of one of the songs I'm releasing next year. Why not? It's action-packed, so it'll fit really well. So this is a song called Unstoppable that will be out in 2024. I haven't announced my 2024 uh, plans yet with my music, but there's a lot of music on the way. This is one of those tracks. 
I'd say it's 98% done. I'm still tweaking a few things here and there, but it's basically done. So hope you enjoy Unstoppable, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.